0: Children singing, children crying. Singing in Dublin, crying in that part of Nigeria, once called Biafra. There are many reasons for tears over there, and yet the crying we've just heard is the happiest kind of crying, the crying of children who have to be hurt a little so that they'll be made well in a hospital built with the help of UNICEF. In a way, that's the whole story. But in this year of jubilee, we might spell it out a little more. It begins 25 years ago. It begins with millions of children, victims of the Second World War, starving and sick in Europe, in Asia, in Africa. In an attempt to save their lives, the United Nations General Assembly passed a resolution creating the United Nations International Children's Emergency Fund, UNICEF. And very soon, some 60 nations threw a lifeline of supplies, blankets and milk and shoe leather and uh, clothing and medicine to the children of 14 countries. And it's not too much to say that they saved a generation. But that was only the beginning. Most of the children of the world in Africa, in Asia, in the Eastern Mediterranean, in Latin America, are still, as someone has said, trapped in a self-perpetuating cycle of hunger, of disease, of ignorance, of poverty. People in the developing countries are caught between old ways and new ways. They know now that misery, avoidable human misery, need no longer be their destiny, and they want to finish it, if not for themselves, at least for their children. This is their demand, this is their right, and in an attempt to serve this demand and to make this right a reality, uh, the nations have, in you know, begun to do something about it. Since 1950, they've begun to provide long-range assistance for programmes in benefiting children in the developing countries. And UNICEF has a continuing mandate for this work. And all the nations of the United Nations are involved in one way or another. Governments are involved, and in the different countries, there is voluntary work through through UNICEF committees. And in Ireland, there is a UNICEF committee. The Secretary is Eric Webb. How did it all start, Eric Webb?
1: Well, a group of business men in Lower Abbey Street happened to be watching a programme one night on television, and the following morning, over a cup of coffee, a discussion took place. Now, this particular programme was about a boy in Busan, which is a port in South Korea, and it was promoted by Save the Children's Fund, and we decided that we'd have a little whip-round of money and send it on to this worthy cause.
0: It was an orphanage or something, was it?
1: Yes, in Poussin. In mm-hmm. And um, one of us was detailed to go down to a certain newspaper and uh, acquire the address, and by some unknown means, uh, it ended up with the United Nations Children's Fund, UNICEF. And from that, uh, uh, we got word that they were very interested in coming into Ireland for quite some time, but just couldn't form a committee. And uh, this led to uh, a visit from Mr Willie Meyer, who was the chief of UNICEF in Europe and North Africa. And Willie came over here for many years. I'm sorry to say that he died a couple of years ago. And this was really the, the start of UNICEF. It started as a provisional group, and I think when they were sort of satisfied that it was going to take root... Uh, we eventually became a, a national committee, and we are today one of the many national committees throughout the world, the Irish National Committee for
0: UNICEF. We'll hear more about the work of the Irish National Committee later on. But first, uh, let's take a look at the larger picture. UNICEF's headquarters are in New York, but the European Centre is in Paris. And perhaps I should say here that UNICEF has a most excellent record. Uh, for, among international organisations, for keeping its running costs down and keeping its institutional structures at a minimum. But of course there must be some structures, especially in an organisation that holds a delicate balance between official cooperation but among states and governments, east and west on the one hand, and on the other, the voluntary efforts of ordinary people everywhere. Now, at the head of the European operation is Ben Tweet who has a Dutch man, a Dutch uh, international civil servant for many years and worked in many international organisations. Now, he spoke to me the other day of um, UNICEF's um, early work in in the immediate post-war period, then of um, the fire brigade operations undertaken in times of natural catastrophe or other emergencies as at present in Pakistan, but also, and most especially, he spoke to me, of long-term development
2: when one is seriously interested in developing areas of the world, then the logical thing to do, from my point of view as a UNICEF man, is to look to the generation, to the people, that can still be molded in a form of development. And what is more logical than to look at children in the first place? The younger they are, the more you can impress on them the need for evolution, the need for themselves to concentrate and take their fate in their own hand, become productive, efficient, whatever you like. The logical choice are the children. I am not saying you should the other generations not develop, but the best material to work with are the children in the first place. So, with that in mind, the kind of basic things we concentrate on are... Improved health services, of course, not only for the children, also for the mothers. Schooling. We start the lower schooling age levels, and we concentrate on that. Other very basic issues, for instance, proper drinking water. I do not know whether you travel through Asia, for instance, but I did that. And I was really profoundly impressed to see how much could be improved with children, with development, by simply giving them already, first of all, some decent drinking water. It sounds very simple. It is not, I can assure you. But this is the kind of thing we like to concentrate on. This is the kind of thing which we would like to carry a little step further if we can.
0: And then, of course, the whole question of nutrition.
2: Naturally. Nutrition very important. Uh, we do that from several angles. Uh, one angle, of course, is to explain to people that they should change their diet, even change their diet with the local things that are available, because when you would do that, I mean changing a diet by means of importing foodstuffs, there is an end to that, you can't keep on doing this, you should concentrate on what is locally available, because that is the easiest, the most economic way of doing it. So we do that. We give courses. We explain to them what they should eat. We advocate. The second time, the second place, what we do, and that is something that interests me personally very much, we use now local foodstuffs, but by means of a scientific process, in our case often by calling on our scientific people, introducing certain enzymes, we change the locally available foodstuffs, and make them, if we can, more protein-rich, because there is poverty of protein everywhere. We have been successful. We have some new UNICEF-stimulated and created factories established. For instance, in North Africa, we are now busy in Turkey, and we try to expand this, because it gives us what we believe in. We use local products with Western, say, know-how, Improve the products and in that way improve the total status of the next generation to come and the younger generation now living.
0: Nutrition is of course just one very important part of UNICEF's European program in North Africa and Turkey. In charge of this program are these programs, should I say, is Jean Guibert. We have
3: in those countries the classic Programs uh, to which UNICEF is uh, paying attention. That means health projects, mainly MCH, mother child welfare, nutrition programs, education programs at the primary level, and teachers' training and pre-vocational training, urban and rural. In the three countries in North Africa, we have these four kinds of
0: programmes. UNICEF has been for some time involved in the school meals scheme in Algeria, a very large undertaking financed mainly by government funds. But uh, some four years ago, they began to interest the government in a scheme of nutrition for children of preschool age which they felt was the only way to give uh, the whole thing a sound basis
3: we are now able to provide thanks to a pilot plant in algeria equipped by unicef to provide the algerian government with an excellent low cost winning food which is prepared with local raw material
0: and of course this is of the utmost importance exactly
3: exactly they are not uh, expecting from any kind of country outside country the raw material used for this winning food that means that the cost is really a low cost the protein value is excellent I am happy to mention that taking into account the first excellent results of this pilot project, the Algerian government decided last year to extend the production at its cost. That means that the UNICEF plant will be... uh, Followed by four big plants producing the same winning food during this present
0: plan of development. Well, this seems to me to be a, an exact model of what UNICEF should be at: setting up a pilot, exactly. encouraging, exactly. offering the, exactly. uh, the the leadership or the guidance exactly. to countries to eventually take it over themselves.
3: Exactly. This is our main, this is our goal. Sometime this happen, and this happen in this nutrition problem, which is one of the most important in the developing country.
0: Similar projects are underway in other countries. Sigurd Norberg told me that a high-protein weaning food based 90% on local raw materials will be available next year in Iran. Iran and Iraq are Mr Norberg's parish, uh, he's a Norwegian himself, but, of course, uh, his area is not in the European sphere of influence. His regional headquarters are in the Lebanon. I asked him, uh, did Iran present any special problems of its own?
4: Oh, there certainly are. Uh, as you know, Iran is a fairly advanced country already among the, in the developing world, but it still has its problems of its own, uh, such as a very quick um, development And growth of economic growth based on uh, the revenue from the oil, uh, which is accompanied by a certain degree of industrialization in the modern sector. But this has led to a certain number of uh, imbalances between uh, uh, population groups and between certain areas. And we are currently uh, cooperating with the plan organization, which is the planning agency of Iran, in preparing their next five-year plan, which will come into force in the spring of 1973. And this new plan will be particularly oriented towards what we refer to as zonal development, that is, the country will be divided uh, in uh, 10 or 11 uh, major regions Uh, And each one will have, each of these regions will have its own development plan. And what we're doing is to contribute to making the studies towards these zonal development plans uh, more well balanced as between economic and social development. And this, of course, is uh, not... Uh, very directly linked to uh, problems of children but they include them and the development and the welfare of children cannot be conceived without uh, reasonable social development of balanced development between the various parts of the country.
0: In one way or another, sometimes spectacularly, sometimes quite unobtrusively, UNICEF has brought a new quality to the lives of children in well over 100 countries throughout the world. In India, for instance, listen to the principal of a village school in the Punjab.
5: There are 364 girls in our school, and out of them, 70 are Christians, and the other are from the other communities. We have got sick children belonging to Hindu community, children belonging to Muslim community as well. We take children who are between five and six in the first primary and when they leave school, they finish their 11th class and are about 16 and 17. Most of these children come from very poor homes with illiterate parents. But these parents are very keen for their children to study and to learn more and to teach them also what they learn in school. As most of the children are poor, we have a doctor coming every day to give medicines and treat the children. And on top of that, we had a trachoma team who came and treated the children from the first to the fifth primary, and they gave them acromycin tubes and some tubes to the teachers so that they could also use it. The medicine had come from the UNICEF, and as well as the BCG uh, injection, an injection to make the children immune against the tuberculosis
0: disease. Another aspect of education in another part of the world. An experiment which might well be emulated nearer home. Here's Miss Rajaratnam, the chief organizer of special education for the Malayan government.
6: We're trying to integrate blind children with uh, sighted children, and uh, well, the name we give it is just the integrated scheme of education for the blind. We've tried this uh, project. I mean, it has been going for the last three years. We. Uh, managed to get a few blind children from special schools. We started off with a demonstration programme of both primary and secondary children in one school in Kuala Lumpur.
0: There were of course problems, psychological as well as material.
6: One of the major problems would be equipment, special equipment costs. uh, Quite a lot. Books, Braille books for the children. Now, this is a very, very big problem because, in order to be able to produce the number of books that the children need in the different programs, and uh, UNICEF has supplied us with some uh, Braille on paper. Certain, and uh, they have also helped us out with uh, providing a machine and microbuses, two microbuses for the transport of the children.
0: But what's the aim of the experiment? Why try to educate sightless and sighted children together?
6: Well, you see, uh, there is this uh, growing feeling in the world today that handicapped children should not be segregated. They shouldn't be treated as uh, beings apart, unable to enjoy perhaps the joys that sighted children where the blind are concerned, enjoy. And this is just an attempt to see if uh, blind children will adjust and adapt themselves to surroundings where there are sighted children and, of course, from the point of view of the sighted children, uh, to see if we can get them to accept uh, blind children.
0: Come now to a shady garden in the Kabul Valley in Afghanistan. It's in the centre of the Shabaki Rural Project. One of many such projects set up by the Afghanistan Department for Rural Development. They've had a great push on in this direction over the last 10 years. Now, here in the Shabaki project, there are some 800 800 or 900 people living, about, about 100 families, all with children at school. And a young girl called Tina tells us what they do at school.
7: There are different subjects, history, geography, Persian, Pashto, and science, general science, I should say, uh, arithmetic, geometry, theology, the Holy Quran. And there's a little difference between the school she's going to and the school I go to in the city. You see, they study sewing and knitting and um, how to wash clothes and learn how to cook food also in their school.
0: They also learn gardening and farming.
7: Girls and boys both do it in different schools. They study about um, how to plant uh, beans and corn and Uh, tomatoes and all the rest of it the children get uh, most of the seeds from the agriculture center and they get it from UNICEF you see they import some of the um, better qualities of seeds and when they learn all about it in school they come and uh, give the information to the parents so the parents can have better crops every year
0: but why go this roundabout way why begin with the children when I go straight to the parents Mr. Wakil, the director of Shabaki Rural Project, explains.
8: Because Afghanistan parents love their children, when the children bring home new ways of doing things, for example, better ways of planting, the parents are willing to try them. Here at Shibaki, we believe that we help the people to help themselves.
0: One of the most striking examples of the need for UNICEF, of the challenge to UNICEF, and indeed of UNICEF's worth and work, is to be found in the Nigerian situation, especially in the East Central State, where the Biafran agony has left so many and so deep wounds. But here, the work of caring and healing is going on in an atmosphere of reconciliation which would have seemed impossible only a short time ago. Listen to the State Commissioner for Education, Dr. Adiele.
9: I'd like to say here that uh, practically all communities have accepted the challenge to be involved in the work of reconstruction and rehabilitation. And we are encouraged to find practically all, uh, all of our people especially in the villages uh, going all out to help themselves so in the ministry of education we put premium priority on self help and many communities have come up uh, doing precisely that you find women children in fact school children traveling for miles and miles carrying equipment whatever we have to give them in fact books that were supplied by UNESCO and UNICEF and USAID and many other organizations that have been helping us to rehabilitate our schools. These books, uh, we have no transport, transportation communication problems. One of the ways we are overcoming this is just people coming out and carrying these things on their heads, traveling for miles, whether they be furniture or equipment, you find people going all out carrying these things in place of cars and lorries. This is most challenging.
0: In the hospital at Okporo, where once so many children died and where now so many sick children are being made well, you heard some of them at the beginning of the program. Well, here, Dr. Ifeconigwe bears witness once again to UNICEF's contribution in the matter of nutrition in the shape of Pre-mixed food for emergency cases.
10: This has been a real godsend. As I said, I had the honour to be involved in the clinical testing of the prototype of you know, the present one, which was the mix one. You know, this was in another hospital, about ten miles away from here, Santana Hospital, our mom. And uh, the reports, the preliminary reports, which I sent in November last year. Most encouraging, and that has in fact been amply confirmed by you know since uh, the end of the war when we 've been using mix two and not only in this institution but has been universally used in hospitals and sick bays and everybody is unanimous as to the value of mix two in the uh, very acute uh, phase of malnutrition for the initiation of care phase of therapy, uh, I think that it's been universally acclaimed as the thing to to use and then uh, PKFM which is uh, the other uh, uh, special food was in fact introduced at a later period and uh, this was about March, April and this has in fact proved uh, very very useful Um, when the acute stage is over they said it's very good um, preparation, pre-cooked easy to prepare and with the vanilla flavouring very well accepted by the children
0: children everywhere are important for their own sake and they are important for the future of every country here's what mr commissioner ikoku has to say he's the commissioner for rehabilitation in east central state of nigeria as well as for economic development
11: Uh, we attach very great importance to the care of children of course we would like to care for everybody. But our thinking at the moment is that if, where we cannot care for everybody, uh, we must give priority to the children. And the older people are already on their way out, so there's very little we can do for them. So at the moment we have a joint operation from uh, the Rehabilitation Commission, the Ministry of Health and Social Welfare. And, um, External agencies like um, the International Union for uh, for Child Welfare and so on, UNICEF is helping us. Uh, Even the World Food Program is being integrated into this exercise. Care, the 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 American outfit, we we've all in this. And then, of course, you have Oxfam and Save the Children Fund. That is true. They're all here with us. And in fact, my ministry, my Permanent Secretary, is responsible for coordinating the activities of all these agencies, you know, as regards uh, rehabilitation of uh, children. Uh, You may like to know that uh, plans are now complete for bringing back uh, the 5,000-odd children who went out of the country, or were taken out of the country during the war. And uh, the basis of our rehabilitation of children is Uh, twofold. Uh, First, to give them food and medical care, and as soon as we find that they are fit, to send them back to their parents, to their relations. We do not believe in having uh, permanent orphanages, and we think that the extended family system here can absorb all, all the displaced children.
0: A challenge and a fair hope of success in this year of
12: jubilee. Ding in Paris, ding ding ding
0: ding Heino Vitrine has the job of translating the money resources of UNICEF into goods. Goods to be sent to all those parts of the world that need them. It's a very large operation.
13: Yes, yes, sir, it is a large operation because um, you have to keep in mind that we are talking about 10,000 different items, ranging from, from trucks to well equipment, from pharmaceuticals to garden tools. Um... Therefore, not only in monetary terms is it a large operation, but also in terms of the complexity of the uh, range of items required.
0: uh, These goods, from wherever they are purchased, you and you are responsible for purchasing them, this is a strictly business operation, this This is it, I suppose.
13: Entirely uh, uh, done along uh, commercial lines. We are buying on a worldwide basis on international tenders those items that we require and we have to uh, not only watch price and specifications but we also have to keep in mind the many currencies we we have to spend some of them are by necessity tied to the country of of origin
0: i suppose like uh, everything else in unicef you're working on two cylinders all the time the short-term need and the long-term need
13: Yes, we, we, we operate on, on, on three cylinders, the short-term need, the long-term need, and the emergency needs, Yes, which is unfortunately a rather frequent uh, occurrence as of late.
0: I suppose the recent disasters in Pakistan have made uh, calls on your uh, efforts. Yes,
13: we are now in the middle of uh, dealing with the uh, India-Pakistan emergency. That means the refugees from East Pakistan in India and the conditions in East Pakistan themselves.
0: This must be quite an operation.
13: Yes, it is, um, it is a high-pressure operation because speed is of the essence.
0: And what sort of thing are you sending there
9: mostly?
13: Well, at this point, priorities uh, are shelter, transport, sanitation equipment and food. And UNICEF has so far provided shelter material, that is plastic sheeting, tarpaulins, tents. It has provided vehicles, transport in terms of jeeps, trucks, and it has provided piping for sanitation purposes and about 30,000 tons of children's food. Victor Berryman, who is
0: responsible for fundraising at, United, at UNICEF headquarters in New York, deals in big figures.
14: Well, big figures as far as our mandate is concerned, what we really should do, I'm afraid not so big figures as far as the financial means are concerned, the tools we have to do the job. Let me start with uh, the real big figures. Uh, The best estimates are that there are in the developing countries, about 1 billion, I said 1 billion children up to 15 years for whom we have to care. One billion. One billion. A staggering figure. So that is the figure of today. But the figure will be of five years, ten years, at the end of the century, you can imagine. It may be two billion, it may be more, it may be three billion, I don't know. So there are at the moment one billion children under 15 years who need a lot, if not Almost everything in the field of their education, their health, their nutrition etc. And now the smaller figure, what can UNICEF do about this? Well, let me give you a very simple figure again. In 1970, last year, our total income from governments and from the public, all voluntary, everything is voluntary as far as our income is concerned, amounted to about 25 million pounds. You can imagine what that means per child. In other words, we reach only a small percentage of the children with some sort of a benefit, by 5%, perhaps 7%. The General Assembly has asked us to go up by 75 to, um
0: towards over 40 million pounds. But even at that, it will be 40 million as against 1 billion, that's 40 into 1,000. The sum is not very impressive.
14: Not very impressive, and in 1975 there will be more than one billion children. More than one billion, yes. Exactly, yeah. There is an enormous problem, so that is not a reason for despair, it is a reason for hard work and see what you can do for the children.
0: Fundraising, is it easy?
14: Not particularly. Sometimes very rewarding, though. So you get uh, m- moving examples of uh, what people want to do. Uh, it has to be done, and um, as far as UNICEF is concerned, we had not a bad rate of increase in the last three, four years,
0: but we need so much more. Governments, uh, do they give aid to UNICEF, a high priority?
14: Yeah, a number of governments do very well, as was perhaps less About three quarters of our aid of the funds we get are from governments. One fourth is from the public. And uh, the giving from the public includes, of course, the famous greeting cards of UNICEF. Yes.
0: But the government aid, I suppose it's in times of recession, in times of um, national economy, it's not the last thing to be cut. (laughs) I'm afraid you are right on that point, yeah. When the budgetary shoe pinches, it's not domestic spending that suffers first. What government will say, no, not a new road here, they need one worse in Tanzania, or wherever. What government could say it? What affluent, developed, civilised society would stand for it? Which of us really believes in giving till it hurts? Leon Davicio from Belgrade, is UNICEF's Director of Information in Paris. He's the persuader, the propagandist, the impresario. Does he believe it possible, really, to communicate to people in general the need for UNICEF and what UNICEF can do?
15: Well, I'll tell you, uh, quite frankly, you see, if I didn't think that this was the case, that this was possible, I certainly wouldn't be here, because... uh, I believe in in sincerity to start with and in truth. I think that it is possible to project uh, that need Uh, and I think that people are very sensitive uh, to this kind of things. I'm not trying to to give them uh, the works, you know. I'm trying really to show what the situation is. I'm trying to show, for example, we've just made a, a film on Nigeria. Well, it's very simple. We are not trying to show the the very sad faces of, of sick children, although there are, as you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of them everywhere in the developing countries. But what we are trying to show in this particular case is the schools that have been destroyed during the war and the schools that are being rebuilt... Well, thanks to UNICEF. Actually, not thanks to UNICEF, thanks to the people and to the governments who are giving UNICEF the means to do it. That's all we are doing, and we are showing the children, which right now are going to schools that have no roofs, who carry their own little benches in order to sit on something, but at the same time, we are showing workers at work covering these school uh, houses, uh, bringing in equipment which is sent through our warehouse in Copenhagen, which is being bought by UNICEF and sent to the spot. Uh, I think that what is actually needed is not so much really a UNICEF propaganda. What is needed is that people... Of course, everybody cannot go to Africa, Asia or Latin America, but that people should be able to see on their TV screens, on their cinema screens, on the radio, to hear on the radio... Uh, witnesses to to read in the newspapers real reports on what is going on because what is going on is a permanent tragedy you see we always get very excited and rightly so when we hear of something like Pakistan, floods uh, war, when we hear about the civil war in Nigeria, when we hear of the earthquake in Peru and it is very human and it is very necessary that we should help right away But there is a permanent tragedy going on because there are really, I mean literally, hundreds of millions of children who have not enough to eat, who who have enough to eat but who don't eat the right thing, who don't have enough medical care. There are millions of children dying because they lack the vicinity of a doctor or of of a simple nurse.
0: Now looking out your window here, I see five very healthy, happy French children swinging around a pole. Uh, They, and children like them in all the developed countries, well-fed, happy, cared for children. Uh, Is it possible to involve them in the lot of their brothers and sisters?
15: Yes, it certainly is, and I think that is being done already in quite a few countries. And uh, children are involved in UNICEF's overall action They are involved through uh, lectures in schools, through own participation. They are involved in participation, for example, in different uh, things that we organize here. For example, last year we organized a children's drawing competition for UNICEF uh, with the theme Friendship of Children of the World. We received about 60,000 very, very beautiful drawings, marvelous drawings. Uh, They also very often organize campaigns among themselves. They bring us checks, they bring us little uh, 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 purses with, with pennies, uh, with francs that they've collected, with marks from all over. There is the, the, the trick-or-treat campaign in America. The penny appeal, the yeah. The penny appeal in, uh, in uh, Ireland, in Canada also the trick-or-treat then in 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 Norway, there is the Yule book campaign where Boy Scouts go out during a very very cold evening and go from home to home and This is uh, slowly but surely uh, well, catching the, the, the imagination of the children all over the place in all the developed countries. I so the children, children also participate not only in the work by saying UNICEF is a nice thing, I want to help uh, a child by writing a letter to him, but they also go out and collect really money for, for these children, for these friends of theirs, for these brothers and sisters of theirs who are less fortunate than they are. One of the great fundraising projects which also keeps
0: the name of UNICEF before the world, is the sale of greeting cards. Last year, in Europe alone, they sold 30 million cards, which cleared about a million pounds
16: in net profit. Louis Shapiro is in charge. Well, uh, greeting cards have been sold uh, worldwide for approximately 20 years now, but the real advances have been made in the last, I would say, five to six years, because, for example... During this period, I just mentioned of five years, we have practically doubled the sales and obviously doubled our profits.
0: Um, It's mostly Christmas cards, is it?
16: Yes, essentially. We don't like to call them Christmas cards. We call them greeting cards because the basic idea of the greeting card is to establish goodwill, between people, between families, and it is not only sold at, gr- at Christmas, although essentially that is our market at the moment, but would we would like our cards to serve as what we call all the year-round cards or all-purpose cards.
0: How about Ireland?
16: Well, Ireland has been one of our, I would say, shining examples of what can be done in the smaller countries. The sales of greeting cards there have reached approximately 200,000 per year, which on a per capita basis is a high figure. Unfortunately, there was a big setback last year, about a 25% drop in sales, which we are told was directly attributable to the increase of the postal rates. In fact, I was sent newspaper cuttings, which showed that many people who traditionally bought cards had registered their protest by sending their greetings to their friends through newspaper advertisements.
0: Now, back home in Dublin, Dorothy Archer is chairman of the uh, Greeting cards Committee for UNICEF in Ireland. And you have built up quite a thing here in the last few years, haven't you?
17: Yes, indeed we have, and it's all the result of teamwork. A committee of ladies, some 13 of us, organise it between us, and we man our shop in Anne Street on a voluntary basis from September until Christmas. And in this way, we've built up a sizeable business, I think.
0: But do you not have people going out into the field, as it were, or do you all stay in the shop?
17: Unfortunately, being housewives, we're not free to <laughs> spread our wings and go into the rural areas and into the other large towns and cities as we would like, and we're very anxious to get out into the field and make contacts. But
0: surely you have... What's this word you've i heard you used? Um, crusaders, but yes, we
17: have some marvelous crusaders throughout the country, but not enough. <laughs> not enough. We could do with a, a crusader lot more. is what somebody who undertakes to sell UNICEF cards as a volunteer. They take the cards on a sale or return basis, make themselves responsible for the sale of the cards and the return of the money uh, or the cards if they don't sell. But, of course, we much prefer to see the money coming in. We could do with a lot more people like this.
0: But you do sell through ordinary retail channels, don't you? We do,
17: where the shops will take them from, us. we like to indeed. Unfortunately, again, we can't compete with the commercial people. We can't offer the large discounts they can. And really, we have to depend on the generosity of the shop by the shopkeeper to sell well, our cards. Is then
0: the um, a reluctance to accept a small discount the only resistance you get? It, apart from that, are people willing to take them? I mean, apart from that, do you find that uh, the man who's buying cards, the man or the woman who's buying cards, is equally happy with UNICEF cards? Oh,
17: yes, people love UNICEF cards because the designs are beautiful. They're very, very well produced. But, of course, we had the discount, there's very little... It, Profit in it for the shopkeeper mm-hmm. by the time they pay their wholesale turnover tax and cover their expenses so I mean we're very sympathetic we'd love to be able to give them more unfortunately, we have a very very uh, small margin of to you know, run our expense with ourselves.
0: Well, of course, and here in Dublin is the only place you actually have a shop.
17: We have, yes, our mm-hmm. little shop, our lightsaver, in South Anne Street. <laughs>
0: uh, elsewhere, you'd like to have shops, I suppose. We would indeed, in, yes. yes,
17: we would indeed. But it, it means that the bulk, the bulk
0: of your sales are around up over in here. Over the counter well, in Ampstreet. They have gone fairly well, apart from this setback of last year, have they?
17: Yes, they've been increasing steadily, but of course, the postal increase was an awful mm. blow
0: how do you think it'll go this
17: year? Well, I'm hoping, I'm very optimistic, this being the 25th anniversary of UNICEF. We've had a marvellous concession from the Holy See. They've allowed UNICEF to reproduce some of the designs from the Vatican Gallery and Museum.
0: Well, that's rather unusual, not It is.
17: It's a splendid compliment to UNICEF. It's the mm-hmm. first time the Vatican have allowed anyone to reproduce these art treasures. And, of course, we're very flattered and pleased, and we're hoping that it'll increase sales enormously.
0: You stick two actual cards. you do calendars or anything of that kind?
17: Yes, we have a lovely engagement cal- calendar. It makes a very nice Christmas present if you're interested or if anybody else is interested. Lovely designs, again, all donated by the artists. And this year we're particularly interesting because we have a design by an Irish artist, Maeve Costello. She's given us a beautiful picture. In fact, she's very kindly given us the original to sell to raise funds for UNICEF.
6: Well,
0: well you But even in the year of Jubilee, there is one statistic that chills the heart. Somewhere, every three seconds, a child dies. Joe donahue the chairman of the Irish Committee of UNICEF, reminded me of it the other day when I spoke to himself to... Vice Chairman Martin Maron and Treasurer Eric Cragan. And Eric Cragan agreed that it was probably when we fail to respond as we should to the need of children in other countries, that it's probably a failure of imagination. I
8: think this is the great problem, that it is very difficult just to imagine the, the average income in a country like India, for instance, where it might be as low as £10 per annum. And, uh, and a man has to bring up a family on this. Uh, how can he feed them properly and how can he look after them? This is reflected in the average expectation of life, which is possibly 21 years or 15 years for still, the whole... Still, yes, even still, still,
18: even still, still.
0: Yes, even still very
18: yeah. Yet I think the people in Ireland are, are probably one of the few countries in the civilised world who should be able to appreciate... Suffering. After all, the terrible famine that was here 100 years ago, uh, that is within the time of perhaps people's grandfathers. Yes. It's, yes. it's, it's quite. Le of Never, as we say. Yes. yes, it
0: is. It is. And we should. But, but uh, yes. But would
8: it not be fair to say that I think the people in Ireland do, as compared with the rest of the world, already perhaps appreciate this problem more than a lot of others? Because we are very, very high per capita of the voluntary giving in
0: this country and this can only arise th- through an awareness of the problem. You mean voluntary giving in, in all sorts of organisations or just in UNICEF? in no, UNICEF, in UNICEF a goal, taken
8: on a global, on a
0: global mm-hmm. basis. You feel that we compare fairly well, do we? Oh, we're always Could in Could you the give me an idea of... I mean, I've heard some figures from, uh, from Paris... And we've heard that, uh, in fact, we're not doing too badly. But how does it break it down, though, in Irish terms? There
8: I mean. are one or two counties which are notably more affluent than the others. And are they the and, best at giving? And uh, they give the biggest amount, yes. And I, I, I think it also possibly that fundraising is poss- uh, probably more directed at those mm-hmm. counties than in some of the poorer counties. But uh, we do get a response from all over the country, and our aim is to is to increase the giving from the, the uh,
0: smaller, uh, less affluent county, But it's more cities and towns than the countryside, is it? No, I, I
18: think a point that we should remember is that when the Penny Appeal was started, when children were involved in hep- helping children, that that started in Fingless, that fund started in Fingless and the generosity of the people uh, in the poorer areas all over the country, both in, the c- in city and rural areas, when one would imagine that they didn't want to give or one would imagine rather that uh, they didn't have a lot to to give, the contributions from these areas have been absolutely magnificent, tremendous. The penny appeal has been one of the things that has been quite outstanding from this country,
0: I think.
19: The the penny appeal has been a a success in Ireland, and of course we hope to continue on expanding that. But one thing that um, I would like to mention is that while the bigger sums come from the people that have the bigger checkbooks, Uh, It's very encouraging, and it has been for me, to be present at times when I saw a group of kids saying, well, we'll give this to UNICEF and we'll walk home. And I know that this happens, and I'm full of admiration for those children.
0: Well, we'll give something to UNICEF, we'll give this to UNICEF, and we'll walk home, and this is admirable. Uh, On the official level, of course, on the state level, as we were saying earlier in the poem, this doesn't happen. Uh, Very few countries will say you know, we'll give this to UNICEF and we'll do without our battleship or our road or our whatever it is, isn't that so?
8: I think that is very very true, yes.
18: But the Irish government have uh, increased their, their contributions to UNICEF tremendously. And indeed, for the past two years, uh, mm-hmm. three years ago, the government's
19: contribution was about the lowest in Europe. But now it's getting up amongst the higher uh, contributions. And I hope to continue this way.
0: Uh, mind you, money spent from Ireland, uh, money given from Ireland to UNICEF, is in a certain sense ploughed back into this country, isn't it?
8: Oh, very definitely. We have a, a very firm undertaking from European co- Committee that... Every penny is raised in this country on a voluntary basis. Oh, yes, not
0: the state contribution. No, not
8: the state contribution, which has to be available for general administration purposes. But every penny raised voluntarily here is spent here. And, indeed, it's fair to say that of the last three or four years since our giving has increased quite substantially that... This is recognised by the UNICEF Secretariat, who buy up two or three times as much from Ireland every year. As we
11: actually as contribute. As we actually contribute, ah, so I that see, we're yeah.
8: almost an export industry. Mm.
0: And in other words, things like, I, I know there are some products, pharmaceutical products, yes, I understand. And, and powdered milk and... and aluminium and, goods, I think, so kitchen yes. goods or something, yes. Even down
18: to, to, to brushes for mm-hmm. brushing out the floors and some of yes. these
0: these countries. So in, in, any way, in any way we would say that giving to UNICEF is enlightened self-interest? Correct, but uh, well, I would prefer
8: to say self-help. <laughs> <laughs>
19: um, this also applies as far as the UNICEF greeting cards is concerned. The cards that are sold here and the money that's obtained for them, this money is ploughed back into Irish goods to be sent out of the country so that we're often accused of not having the greeting cards printed here. I'm quite sure that uh, in a few years' time we'll have our turn, but uh, uh, I think that uh, we should mention at this stage that for 1972 the greeting cards that will be supplied all over the world by UNICEF are reproductions from the Book of Kells.
0: Returning to finances for a moment, is the Irish committee aiming at a target?
8: Our target eventually is 100,000 per annum, mm. of which we are at present raising about 44,000. We have raised in the 10, 11 years we've been in operation practically 300,000 pounds, which is a pretty fair average considering the first year we thought we were very lucky to raise 250 pounds. and uh, But uh, obviously the, we are still a long way from achieving any target of 100,000 pounds and we are hoping very much that that... The press and television publicity, radio publicity that we get will help us to achieve this aim by making people more aware of the problem.
0: Uh, Indeed,
18: uh, I I might add uh, that the Irish Committee has, uh, if you like, been the effective cause of a number of European countries uh, following your example. And they have now adopted uh, quite a number of the projects and this idea of the penny appeal coming up to Halloween... Uh, the idea of actually the European committees going after money themselves, fundraising as distinct from selling the greeting cards. They sold the greeting cards up till uh, perhaps two years ago. But I think an important thing to remember is that every pound or every penny or every shilling that's given by an Irish man or woman or child, by the time it reaches the receiving country, taking into account the matching contributions from the United States government, taking into account the matching contributions from the receiving country, it's magnified many times. And that's why we were able to claim that sixpence will save a life.
0: Hmm. Uh, this is very true, and it's a marvellous thing, and it is also, of course, splendid that in no sense I- uh, is UNICEF in the handout business.
19: Um, Absolutely. This is absolutely correct. UNICEF is not in the handout business. Their policy is not to give somebody a loaf of bread today and let them die of hunger tomorrow. Their aim is to remove the causes of this hunger, disease and uh, ignorance in the world. And I'm quite convinced that we'll succeed in reaching our target of £100,000 within the next two years because I think we have the greatest cause in the world – children dying needlessly from hunger and disease.
0: Do you think that young people in Ireland are cutting on to this?
8: They're, they're very much involved now, particularly perhaps through Penny Appeal, but uh, we are heartened all the time by various children getting little sales of work together and sending us in the contributions from this. Uh, it, it, uh, I think as the present generation of children grow up and in turn become mothers sure. and fathers parents uh, That this, w- this knowledge will increase uh, we do have a, uh, we've had essay competitions and uh, all uh, what can uni- what can I do to help UNICEF and uh, this will undoubtedly increase the awareness of the
0: problem well, right. I think it's
18: important to remember that uh, over 10,000 children were involved on the afternoon before Halloween
16: this year Uh, Last year. year.
18: Now, that's 10,000 children moving right around the countryside in their own particular areas. Up to this, they'd ask for a penny for the party or a nut for the party because they were thinking of themselves. Now we have, if you like, a vast army of over 10,000 children who are prepared to give up, to stop thinking of themselves and to think of a child or of a problem that they can neither see nor perhaps imagine.
0: And do you think that when they grow up, there's a fair chance that they'll continue to think of those uh, children who now will be grown up
18: like them? I'm absolutely convinced of it. And indeed, I'm convinced that in a few more... In another generation, that the children that are being helped in these uh, developing countries, that they themselves will build their own bridges with the children here in Ireland today.
0: A noble thought to which I'm sure we all would say Amen. For bridges must be built and maintained between man and man, between nation and nation, between black and white, if the race is to survive. Bridges of light and hope and sharing. Between the affluent minority of the world, to which you and I, whether we believe it or not, belong, between us and the great needy majority, there is a vast gap. This gap must be bridged. It must be bridged for the sake of all our children. I've called this programme Jubilee for Children, for that's what the 25th anniversary of UNICEF is about. Let me end with a quotation from... A Chilean poet. We are guilty of many errors and many faults, but our worst crime is abandoning the children, neglecting the fountain of life. Many of the things we need can wait, the child cannot. To him we cannot answer, tomorrow his name is today.